<laughs> it's not your mama's Christian podcast. Welcome everybody to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast, the Christian podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. I am your host, Shane Valentine, with my brother Eric. Say hello to the bad guy. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, oh man, Razor Ramon reference. I'm, I'm in. First off, I'm still trying to find a catchphrase. I guess I can't use that one. <laughs> yeah. So you just stole one. <laughs> yeah. But I'm in such a wrestling mood now, uh-huh. and I know, I know, some people don't don't like when we talk about wrestling all that much. But man, I just I'm in such a wrestling mood right now yeah. because know, of what we just we just did. But we know that this isn't a wrestling podcast. You know, I would se, do one. I would do one per se. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the reason why we are talking about today is because we have a great interview with a guy named Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. And if you grew up watching wrestling, or if you know anything about wrestling, then you know who Ted DiBiase is. Yeah. If you don't know anything about wrestling, um, don't turn it off. Okay. It's still it's that is we. Of course, we talk about wrestling, but mm-hmm. that's not the only thing that we talk about. And so we're going to get to Ted's story in a little bit, but, but yeah. we're really excited because it was like, it's kind of like a childhood, oh, uh, and, you know, excitement thing for us. So, I mean, I was so excited when we got the the pitch for this, um, to for the opportunity to interview Ted DiBiase. And I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Lori from uh, Biscuit Media Group who, who uh, set this up. She's helped us out with a lot of different interviews, but we were, um, when I got this email, I was like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll interview because... Yeah. Um, this to me is like the the biggest star we've interviewed because I remember as a kid watching mm-hmm. Teddy Biasi wrestle, and we say it in the interview. I remember hating him because he was such a bad guy. He's so good, and at he being was so guy. good at it. I remember being like, oh, "He is the worst." <laughs> but and so when we got there, I was like, "Yeah, we, we will interview him whenever he wants to." Yeah. So we were so excited to do it. You called um, me right away. Yeah, Jane, I did. Hey, we got a million dollar man. The million dollar man. Yeah, and then um, I got a little disappointed when I called some other people that don't ever watch. <laughs> to tell him that yeah we were- i told my wife erica we got we got teddy biasi she was like i i don't who is that I was like from wrestling she's like i never watched wrestling like, <laughs> yeah. Dang it. wait wait to burst my bubble but um for for those of you that didn't watch wrestling we were a kid we i don't remember the i can't remember when we first started watching wrestling but i remember we would go to our, early 90s our local movie store and rent like wrestlemania's and, yeah. that, and watch it all the time and then we got to a point where when raw and WCW, here's some little history, wrestling history for some of you guys. <laughs> when Raw and WCW or WWE and and WCW were really battling, there there was a big competition. WCW was winning. We would tape both of them, mm-hmm. or we as our grandfather would, and the next day on Tuesday we would watch all of Raw, then watch all of oh, Nitro. It was the best. I loved it. We would do wrestling moves to each other. What was your um? Special oh, move. My special move. Oh, I, I can still do it. I, I was more of a submission guy because I'm not a big, <laughs> I'm not a big strong, powerful guy. Like I was. I was so, a strong, yeah, powerful right. guy. So I'm not doing the power bombs and the choke slams. I was more going to make you tap out. And the way that I made you tap out was a move that I invented. Nobody, to my knowledge, has ever nope. been able to do this. Nope. So, hey, this is a copyrighted. If any, yeah. any future wrestlers are but, listening. But uh, my special move was the bony butt because I have a bony butt. I would literally sit on your forehead. Or the temple of your or head. Or the temple of your head. Or... Sit on your nose, <laughs> and I would just drive the bones in my butt into your forehead, and it legitimately would hurt. Yeah. And um, I could still do it now, actually. I actually did it to Topper recently. <laughs> yeah, good old bony butt. Topper, no, not the bony butt. He tapped out immediately. 
We used to have a trampoline. Yep. So we would, I would do power bombs. It's amazing that we didn't actually get seriously injured. Yeah. Doing any of that. And and some of the wrestlers we loved when we were kids were Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh yeah. uh, The Undertaker. Shawn Michaels. Goldberg. uh, Yokozuna. Gold Dust. Brett the Hitman Hart, the legend. Yes. Like there, there's so many. Hulk Hogan. Macho Macho Man. Man, Randy Savage. uh, Ultimate Warrior. uh, And obviously Ted DiBiase. Yeah, and um, we even, like, Jake the Snake. There's oh so God. many. Scott Hall, no, Kevin we, Nash. How long do you want us to go? <laughs> how long do you want us to go? But um, you know, I remember when we weren't allowed to watch wrestling anymore. This oh. is past Ted DiBiase. Yeah. I remember. The late 90s. Basically, here's what happened. Um, Raw had Degeneration to get, X happened. <laughs> <laughs> Raw, they, they started to get a little edgier. That was WWE because they were losing um, the, the, the Monday Night War. So they decided we're going to get a little edgier because WCW was, was edgier with the NWO. So they started like having Sable and like showing half-naked girls and, and cussing Stone a Cold lot. Steve Austin yeah, chugging beers in yeah, the ring. and flicking people off, th- things like that. And we were still watching at the time. Well, our good friends, who happened to be pastor's kids, they also watched it with us. We all loved it together. And their dad, who was the pastor, decided, I'm going to watch this one week to yeah, see what it's all about. Do. Yeah, which is good parenting. <laughs> Um, Not to the kid. But. <laughs> he watched it, and I, I can remember exactly like like it was yesterday when he was up on stage preaching uh-huh. and saying how you should not let your kids watch wrestling. Do you remember that? Absolutely. I remember him preaching it, and, and Eric and I just looking at each other going, oh, no. This can't be good. Because And he was right. Because yeah. it were like... At the age we were at yeah. and some of the stuff they were showing. I mean, th- like most of the women were like going into Playboy and doing all this. So like... Yeah, it's... If it you was watch not wrestling, good role models. If you watch wrestling now, it's it's the it's more of a PG family mm-hmm. friendly mm-hmm. era. Back then, it was not. It, it was, was the attitude, attitude era. era. So were um, we were in saying ages. a lot of things that you should not say. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember watching the pastor. I was like, oh no! <laughs> and we weren't able to watch it yep. for until we became adults, and yeah. then we could watch it. We yeah. could choose it on our own. Yeah, yep. I remember that. It was yesterday. I was like, man, oh no! Yeah. I we're not able to watch this anymore. But but yeah. if you can't tell. We loved wrestling as kids, and um, I, I don't really watch it so much anymore. I'll watch like Royal Rumble and yeah, WrestleMania, we WrestleMania and those together. sort of things, um, which which are kind of fun to do. But uh, but interviewing Ted DiBiase was really an awesome experience for us, and and uh, we really loved how willing he was to talk about um, everything that has been that has happened in his life. Because if um, if you don't know a lot about the history of wrestlers, many of them, especially from the '80s and the early '90s, have experienced some difficult things in their life. And and Ted is is a part of that group, and uh, many of them have some of their lives have fallen apart once they finish wrestling or even in the middle of wrestling, um, and it's it really can be a dangerous occupation physically, but not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, and it's draining in so many ways because these guys are literally on the road year round practically. They you know they're hardly ever home, and being on the road that much in that sort of a lifestyle can be a difficult, draining sort of a thing. Seeing a guy like. Ted DiBiase, who was a rock star mm-hmm. at the height of wrestling popularity with a character, the Million Dollar Man, where he had to be the Million Dollar Man when other people, like, they would fly him first class everywhere. Because this was before they, they acknowledged that it wasn't real. I don't know if that's true, but... Um, well, they, they, at least they era. tried to keep yeah, up that persona. They, 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 anytime you saw a wrestler outside of an event, 
they wanted you to still appear in your character. Yeah, yeah. They didn't ever want you to break character around people. So with so with the Million Dollar Man and, and his documentary that we're going to talk about, The Price of Fame, talks about this, that they literally tr- made him the Million Dollar Man. Mm-hmm. That everywhere he went, he had this persona of unlimited cash, first class everything, the best limos. restaurants, limos, the best Girls on each arm. Yes. Everywhere that he went, he was a Million Dollar Man. Yeah. So how do you have a faith and a family Mm -hmm. and also have that persona where you're on the road most of the year, like 300 days of the year, you're on the road and you're being treated like a rock star. How do you stay true to your faith? And when you don't, how do you find redemption? And that's what Ted DiBiase's story is about. That's what the documentary, The Price of Fame is about. And that's what our interview is about. So um, no matter if you like wrestling or not, um, our interview with Ted DiBiase was really eye-opening to just him being a rock star and how he held on to his faith and his faith grew stronger through the trials and tribulations of his job. Mm-hmm. So um, you can find Ted DiBiase a lot of places and he says at the end, but um, his documentary is The Price of Fame. You can find that Amazon, online, at Walmart. Walmart. You can go to Walmart yeah. and find iTunes. it there. Um, all those places. So uh, let's get to our interview with the million dollar man. <laughs> Wrestling legend. <laughs> Everybody has a price. Every Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. Cause the million dollar man. All right, we are joined by wrestling legend mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Ted, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you today? Great. I'm good. So uh, we're looking at your Wikipedia page, and we're trying to figure out how many uh, championships you had. It said you had 30 titles in your in your reign. Do you know what the number I, is? I have no idea. All right, so we'll say like 60 then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and so. do, do you have any idea how many WrestleManias you were in? We know you were like well, the main I, event of WrestleMania yeah, 4. I, I wrestled in uh, WrestleMania four through nine. Wow. Nice. Okay. And uh, and then I I made a cameo appearance at WrestleMania ten, mm-hmm. uh, and then I think for the next couple of years, uh, I, you know, I, I can't I can't remember, but I mean, I was I wasn't wrestling anymore, but I was involved in a manage. I was I was I, was, I became a manager and a mm-hmm. commentator. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, I, I was involved in a few more of them, but I don't know. Yeah, you know, we, so, we got to get you in I, one of those. I and I just go back every year and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have to take pictures. Yeah, <laughs> we got to get you in one of those surprise Royal Rumble appearances next. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, well, Ted. See, we grew up as wrestling fans as well. Uh, right. We we were '90s kids, and and so we we saw you wrestle, and we, we were big fans. And uh, give us a little bit of background. For for, for people who may not know too much about wrestling, about how you got involved and your history there. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I tell people all the time, I said, wrestling's not a normal occupation, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you do for a living? Well, I uh, run around in spandex and I hit people in the head with chairs. <laughs> nice. Doing? And you do it well. <laughs> I, was, I was raised by a loving stepfather who was not only a professional wrestler, but had a storied career at the University of Nebraska, uh, lettered eight times, four years in football, four in wrestling, was a uh, conference 
heavyweight wrestling champion uh, in amateur wrestling three consecutive years. And uh, uh, his name was Mike DiBiase. And so I wanted to be like my dad. Mm. And, of course, the one thing my dad never wanted me to do is be a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up and figured that out. Didn't want my sons to be wrestlers. Yeah. But it, it wasn't the wrestling. It's the lifestyle. Mm. It's what it's all the junk that comes along with it. And uh, so that was, you know, but I uh, I wanted to be my like my dad. I was fortunate to have a good role model father figure in my life. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so being the million dollar man, uh, you are you are known as one of the greatest villains in the history of WWE or WWF when back when back when you were um, wrestling. So that character of being the million million dollar man, give us some insight into who that is, how that came about, and the lifestyle involved with it. Well, the uh, the character is basically Vince McMahon's personal idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I mean a lot of. Uh, I mean, the way it was explained to me, not by Vince, but Vince's right-hand man at the time was a guy named Pat Patterson. Mm -hmm. Pat Patterson basically said, uh, Ted, he said, if Vince could be a character in his own show, this is who he would be. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) And so so he went, he just pulled out all the stops. And basically the million dollar man, he's, uh, he's, he's like a, he's a bully mm-hmm. and he bully, he bullies people with his wealth. His, his, you know, it's like everybody's got a price. Uh, he didn't think any, there wasn't anything that he, anything or anybody that he couldn't buy. And so, uh, you know, that, that was the, that was the nature of the beast. You know? and, and I was that guy. And I get asked that question all the time in terms of my faith. Now, you know, did I become the character? And I said, I didn't really become the character. Uh, but I got, you know, cause wrestling came to a place where, I mean, I was right, I was right in the midst of this big explosion in the popularity of wrestling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wrestling went from regional television and I mean, it used to, if you turn TV on, watch a wrestling show on television, it was like in a studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, you know, now it's in coliseums and it's nationwide and all of that and action figures and video games and the whole nine yards. And, uh, what I got caught up in was all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was kind of like, uh, uh, I tell people now, I said, you know, we talk about committing our life to Christ. I said, but before you can commit it, you have to surrender it first. Mm-hmm. And that's what it took so long for me to do was to come to a, a, a place of genuine surrender. Um, and, uh, cause I had a strong faith when I was young, childlike, uh, somewhat. And, uh, I, uh, but it, it carried me. It carried me through my father's death, my mother's subsequent alcoholism. I graduated from this little school in Southern Arizona with a scholarship to play college football. But when I got there, that's when the pride of life and my ego took over for the next mm-hmm. 20 years. Mm-hmm. Failed marriage, had a son, remarried, Christian girl. I'm trying to do it right. And I start going uh, to church and again. And, of course, that was limited because of my schedule. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, uh, but it ain't about going to church. Mm-hmm. It's about having that. That's what I tell you. I said, Christianity, genuine Christianity is not a religion. Mm-hmm. It's not right. a ritual. It's a personal ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, then you're just practicing religion, no matter where you hang your hat. Mm-hmm. And really that's, I think what I was doing is because I've always believed the gospel message but what I look back and realize is I was trying to have Jesus in my life on my terms, not his. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and uh, it was almost like saying, yes, I believe in you, Lord, but I want all this stuff. You know, and and that's what so it basically I believe God said to Ted, go ahead, go get all the stuff. Find out what life's there. Mm-hmm. Life is like there without me in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I you know, I rose to fame uh, in 1992. You know, I was about as popular as I was ever going to be uh, making appearances on uh, Arsenio Hall and mm-hmm. Regis and Kathy Lee and uh, you know, all that stuff. And um, I got caught up in the in the lifestyle. We became like rock stars. I mean, literally, we were traveling the world, you know, limousines, first class airfare, uh, first class hotels, the whole nine yards and totally caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next town, the next show, the next party. Uh, but there's a guy I was never addicted to any drug or any alcohol, but where, where I, what I, where I, well, where I failed miserably and where I was caught was in adultery. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Uh, you know, scripture will tell you, it's not a question of, um, if it's just a question of when, when, you know, your sins will find you out. Yeah. Uh, it's whatever's done in darkness will be revealed in the light. And when it is, you immediately see yourself and you see it for what it really is. And mm-hmm. for me, uh, when I talked to my wife on the phone that day and she confronted me with it and I said, I don't want to talk about it on the phone. I'll be on the next plane home. Her first words were, no, you won't because you don't live here anymore. Yeah. 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 And, th- and it was like, what have I done? Mm-hmm. And what, you know, and, and in a millisecond, it's like, I have just put at risk and I'm probably going to lose the greatest things in my life, the love and commitment of a devoted wife, mm-hmm. not to mention the future, the stability and the peace of mind of my children. Because I obviously wasn't thinking about any of that when I was out fooling around. And, uh, so it, it hit me that that was, that was really, you know, it's kind of like, uh, scripture also says, uh, you can't, uh, you know, until a man comes to the end of himself, you can't reason with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was that was it for me. The, 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 and, I, and I looked and I go, you know, I've got everything. Basically, I felt God saying, you've got everything you thought you ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Famous. You got all this stuff. You got all the stuff you thought you wanted. But what do you have right now? Yeah. That matters, that counts. And I said nothing. What? And so that was the beginning of the turnaround for my life. Wow. When when people play religion and it it becomes like a I want to do this so I don't go to hell type thing, but right. I still want to live my own life. And when you're in a situation like you are, where you are a rock star, really, like you're you're in a you're and you're playing a character that you are you're arrogant, you're you're pl- acting a certain way, and then they're making sure you're flying first class to make to play that appearance up. And you're playing the other lifestyle. I can only imagine for myself when I was like in college and and right. when I was a young adult, when I was kind of starting to have those feelings too. If I had the opportunities, how hard is that to resist when you haven't fully surrendered when you make it about you? Um, right. So it's hearing your story of going from this huge popular wrestler who thought who had it all and didn't need anything else to realizing when you get it all, it's like, Oh, now what do I have? It's still not enough. I still have that hole because you have fully surrendered. It's, it's, um, it, it makes us look at our life and be like, man, if he had it all, Mm -hmm. I, and and he still, it still wasn't enough. Then what is enough? And you find, and eventually it took you falling to your bottom to figure out that it was Jesus. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, humility is the beginning of, of, of restoration. I mean, and that's what the Bible says. Until, you know, until a man humbles, you know, humble yourself before God in due time, he will lift you up. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so that's, that was that point for me. Uh, you have to come to the end of yourself. And uh, that's when it happened. Um, and, I mean, that, what was this? I, I don't know what the scripture I can't quote. I mean, I quote the scripture. I'm just not sure where it is. Where Jesus said, store for yourself treasure in heaven, mm-hmm. where neither rust nor moth break in and steal for where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also. Yeah. So basically until that moment, where was my heart and where was my treasure? My treasure was all about me. Mm-hmm. What was more important in my life at the time was it was kind of like, look at me, look at me, look what a big star I am and all that. Whether you whether you say that or you admit that, but that's in reality what it was. And uh, there was never any question of, of of the fact that I loved my family, I loved my wife, I loved my children. I didn't have a bad marriage. I wasn't unhappy. I was just on a massive ego trip. Yeah, and it's ugly. And uh, uh, but uh, in humbling myself, and uh, yeah, I, I think you know, to me, even a greater miracle, if you will, is the fact that my wife, who here's the person that I care about more than anybody in the world and, and nobody could ever hurt her as bad as I did Hmm. that day. And, uh, and had she not been so solidly grounded in her faith, I probably wouldn't be married now. And I, I actually had, I had in my own heart determined that you blew it, pal, you're, you're going to lose this and you deserve to. And, uh, and I told, I, I mean, I came totally clean and, uh, uh, but my wife's, you know, I mean, she said to me, she goes, I'm not going to make you a promise I can't keep because I don't know if I'm strong enough. She goes, I heard, I've heard what you have to say. I, I've seen your tears. She saw me like two days after, uh, I confessed, I went with my buddy, pastor Hal and his youth group to this big big, big youth rally they have in Chicago every year leading into the Easter weekend. They call the Ascension convention in front of 1500 teenage kids. When the altar call was given, I beat them all to the front, fell on my face, cried like a baby, didn't care. Mm-hmm. So my wife witnessed all of that. And she said, she goes, I believe you're sincere. And I obviously want to, that doesn't take the pain away. She says, I basically says, I've asked God for a new heart. Cause you've broken mine. Mm but I serve a God of restoration, not divorce. That's right. And she said, I'm not sure I'm strong enough to do this. And I'm, and, and she, you know, she goes, and I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. Cause you don't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm doing this out of what I believe is obedience to, to Jesus because he is a God of restoration. So I'm going to try. She goes, I, I no promises. I might last a week. Maybe I'll make it a month. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took that ball and ran with it. And um, J- Jesus said, you'll recognize the tree by its fruit. So it was, you know, and we live in a culture, as you guys know, that wants McDonald's service all the time. Microwave, yeah. microwave. You know, I want it, I want it now. Mm-hmm. But anything worth having doesn't come that way. It's kind of like, do you want the, the microwave uh, sandwich or do you want that roast that's been... Uh, simmering in the crock pot for three or four hours. That's yeah. the one. And so, uh, for the next two years of my life, it was, it was, it was a struggle. I mean, it was two years of a wife trying to forget 
and two years of a man trying to prove himself. But again, but, but as my wife began to see the priorities in my life, not what I was saying, but what she saw me do. So, you know, she started getting up every day and I'm sitting at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee and my Bible and a devotional and another devotional. And I started leading my family in prayer and leading my family to church and taking the helm of the ship as I am supposed to as the man Mm -hmm. and the father and a husband, uh, the spiritual leader. And and, uh, as all of those things and as the priorities in my life shifted, now my wife could clearly see that number one in my life is God and they're right behind God then my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when those things started to come back. So, I mean, today I can tell you guys, I mean, absolutely unconditionally, my wife is my best friend. Mm. I mean, absolutely. And, uh, there's a song that Bette Midler sings, uh, called wind beneath my wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cry when I hear that song because that's my wife. Mm. I mean, she gave me a chance that I didn't deserve. And, uh, but again, uh, we speak as a couple and she'll tell people, she goes, I could have run to the world. I could have run to people who I knew would tell me what I wanted to hear Yeah. at the time, which was, you know, divorce the mom, take everything he's got. But I ran to the, 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 my church family, you know, those who would give me wise counsel. And, uh, and that was the difference. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I mean, Melanie says it this way. She goes, when you hang on to anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. The only one suffering from it is you. Wow, yeah. And Jesus said, forgive as you've been forgiven. There's no parameters on it. Mm-hmm. Not because they ask for forgiveness, not because they deserve forgiveness. You forgive because you've been forgiven. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's hard to do, especially when really horrible things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would say this to anybody that's been there. You've, you've lost a child in a drive-by shooting or a drunk driver or or your wife or your spouse has been raped or, you know, you know, like unjustly put in jail, whatever, not in your strength, but in God's strength, all things are possible. Amen. That's awesome. So you talked a lot about how, um, how your dad didn't want you to be a wrestler and how you didn't want your son to be a wrestler or sons. And, um, uh, it's, it's interesting since we grew up watching wrestler wrestlers in your age. And so many of them have had difficult lives, um, post wrestling and uh, we watched the Ric Flair documentary on ESPN not too long ago and we've seen all these stories of Jake the Snake Roberts and Scott Hall and, and Scott all. Hall and all these guys and um and it's good to see that that your life is is going in the right direction and it makes sense as to why you wouldn't want that lifestyle for your son right and your son became a wrestler Right. <laughs> and he went into the business. So talk about that relationship a little bit. Well, you see, the thing about it is it, it's not the wrestling itself because right. I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. I loved getting in that ring and entertaining people. And that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I mean, uh, and I, and I want to give a, I want to tip my hat to the WWE because the WWE, you know, they, they, they've grown into this brand, but they, it's like everybody else. They had growing pains too. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when they first like they first started doing drug testing, well, they had their you know, like the, their producers, the guys that were at the you know the guys that were at the show telling us what to do on a nightly basis. They had those guys administering the drug tests and everything. Well, you know, there's so many ways you can get around all yeah. of that, but now they have it's state of the art. It's mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, my son told me, he said, Dad, here here's the difference. He said now he said. If I go to the doctor and he gives me a prescription for 
for a, a you know the flu or something an antibiotic i have to then call the wwe doctor and let them know what i'm taking and why and who prescribed it because if i don't and i get tested and it shows up in my blood then i then i'm off for 30 days yeah, yeah. so they're real serious about it that's now there's accountability that's been brought into the picture that that wasn't there before and and that's a good thing but it's 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 the uh, it's it's all about that lifestyle and you know and when you look at Jake and you look at Rick uh, the two guys you mentioned uh, if you knew their backgrounds I'll tell you the difference between Jake and Rick and me mm-hmm. I had a great dad mm-hmm. yeah uh, you heard Rick say and I knew Rick, Rick had been adopted but I didn't realize till I watched his thirty and thirty that he had a poor relationship or non-existent relationship yeah. with his adopted father. So what that told me something. Now mm-hmm. that I know where I am as who I, and who I am in Christ, all Rick's life he's been saying, look at me. Mm-hmm. Look at me. He never got the admonition from his father. And every child needs that. Yeah. Jake Roberts. His dad too was also a wrestler. Yeah. But his dad was, you know, was known for a lot of things and and uh <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah, I know some of his bad, bad stories. Jake, Jake had a horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible relationship with his dad as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, and being a, uh, we're both dads, and I just had our third. Well, I didn't. My wife did. My wife had our third uh, child, our first son, and being a pastor's and seeing relationships with with um, students specifically, the how you think of your dad is a lot of times your first thoughts of God, who God is. Yeah. And so if you have that poor relationship with your dad or that dad wasn't there or that dad was a bully, then a lot of you think that God's not really there for me or God's a bully. Right. And so as a dad, it it puts a lot more responsibility on me. Like, man, the first right. image my son and my two daughters are going to have of our perfect father is me. Like I need a, <laughs> I, I have a big responsibility and God tells us that we have a big responsibility as right. well. Right. And, uh, and it is a big responsibility, and uh, of course, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Right. Uh, but, but, uh, and I tell, I tell me, I, I spend, I spend my time. I speak to a lot of men, and for obvious reasons. Um, but I tell guys all the time. I said, your children aren't always going to do what you tell them to, mm-hmm. but I promise, they'll always do what they see you do. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's 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 not what you say; it's it's what you what you practice mm-hmm. in, in in front of them. And so, uh, and there, you know, that and again, my wife. I mean, because and again, I had a, I had, you know, <clears throat> I didn't know my dad really until I was five. Because my mother and, and my biological father divorced, and I lived with my grandmother until I was five. Uh, but the man came into my life. I I had I got a break, guys. I got a guy who you know he came up in a poor Italian neighborhood. In Omaha, and, and he was the guy who got the scholarship and went and played football and wrestled in Nebraska and mm-hmm. made something of himself. And mm-hmm. so he he instilled in me all of those things. He always told me, he said, son, he says, don't follow the crowd. That's easy. Everybody does that. He says, but what takes courage is to cut your own path in life. He says, dream your dream, whatever you want to be. He says, I don't care if you want to be a drummer in a rock and roll band, be the best. Yeah. yeah. You know, You know, follow your heart. But he says that if you're, but if you're willing to make the sacrifices necessary, you can be whatever you want to be. And he said, and remember this, nothing in life worth having comes easy. 
right. you know, you know, in that in that in that perspective, he said everything does have a price, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and are you willing to pay it? And so mm -hmm. I never, I, I I clung to that because my dad never talked about himself. I found out all those things about my dad about his college record and all those things not from he never talked about it. Mm -hmm. Other people would tell me, "Oh my gosh, your dad was unbelievably <laughs> so." Yeah, yeah. I, in that respect, I, I had a real break, and it carried me. And and then that was the other thing that when I was confronted with this, mm -hmm. and realized what a horrible failure I had been. You know, not only that um, that I had disappointed God and, and hurt the, the the person I love the most, but I it, it came to me, what would my dad think right now? Mm. And yeah. just uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the biggest um, points in the documentary, um, The Price of Fame, that, that, you, that you just recently released is how you talked about having this um, having to confront your wife about and her confronting you about um, the, the things that were going on in your life. But one of the biggest points in the documentary was you also dealing with the relationship with your kids. And, right. and now not only having to deal with it with your wife, but now having to answer to, to your own kids, which I would imagine is an extremely difficult thing to do. But it seems like it built your relationship even stronger and brought you guys closer together through that whole process of restoration between you guys. Right. And, you know, my wife initially now, you know, they were all very small. They were very young when all this happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, I mean, my gosh, I'm not sure how old Teddy was, but, uh, again, they, they, they still were basically Melanie said, in spite of what you've done to me, you're a great dad. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, I don't want to hurt that. So until they're old enough to understand this, they don't know about it. Yeah. Now the guy who mentored me, who's also interviewed in the documentary, Hal Santos, pastor, Hal, mm -hmm. my best friend, um, you know, he cautioned me. He said, Ted, he says, uh, now that you've really given your, your life and your heart to Christ, there's going to be a lot of people that find out pastors and with all of the best intentions, they're going to want to ask you to come and share your story from their pulpit. Mm -hmm. And he said, I just want to caution you to wait for a while. He said, you're a baby Christian, really. And he said, and you know what? Sometimes babies poop their pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a nice way of saying, you know what? You got to give yourself time to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I took that advice. And so it was probably two years before I ever got up in a church and, and shared it. And the first time my sons ever heard it was me speaking from pulpit. Oh, wow. Cool. And so I reasoned if they have any more questions, they'll, they'll come to me and ask. And, uh, because it was obvious to them that their mother and I were, were fine. We, you know, we were good. We were happy. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't until they got married and they had their own children, mm -hmm. you know, and then when this, uh, when this documentary originally, when the documentary was, uh, presented, the guy who, uh, did the documentary is a guy named Pete Fierro. Pete came to interview me and Pete, as a uh, vocation, he's a, he does wedding photography and video, so mm -hmm. he documents weddings. But he had never done a he had never done a, a, like a a feature on somebody. But he came to interview me for what they call a, a shoot interview in wrestling. In other words, it's not wrestling storylines. We're going to ask you questions about your real life. Mm -hmm. When you start asking me questions about my real life, I'm going to start telling you about Jesus. And mm -hmm. 
So in Pete's own words at the time, he was the somewhat backslidden son of a minister. And God snuck up on Pete through my story. It resonated with him, turned his life around. And then it was Pete who came to me initially and said, I know you've written a book, you've written two books, and you've you've been on Christian television for several years sharing your story. He says, but I would like to tell it in film, in a film. And I said, well, you know what, I'm flattered. I said, yeah, I mean, go for it. Mm-hmm. And and then that's when, you know, my son eventually got involved. He he went out with us to Arizona uh, because he wanted to hear about, he wanted to see this little town that I talk about all the time that mm-hmm. has three traffic lights. And uh, so we took him to Wilcox and it was there that uh, he approached me with the idea. He said, dad, he says, how about we tell your story? It's your story, but let's tell it maybe through my eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my brother. So yeah, that's how that all came about. And he knows that I spent a lot of time talking to men and talking about the importance of fatherhood. So it, it, it was a real good fit, but yeah, it was, it was difficult. I mean, I'm it was, sure. you know, the, uh, my youngest son, Brett, you know, uh, uh, he's the hothead. We <laughs> 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 found out, you know, yeah. what is dad, you, you know, you never asked me for forgiveness. Well, <laughs> You know, you, you never, you know, well, you never asked, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the, the story of of how your 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 wife and your kids eventually respond and and forgive it's it's really the story of the gospel, right? Like Jesus came and saved us when we didn't deserve it at our lowest, and came for us even if we chose to never follow him. He still died for us, and so you're in a situation where you did something something that you regret and you even said that I, I don't deserve to have you or whatever. And your wife still forgave you, not through her strength, like you said. So what better way to talk about the gospel than what happened through your life? It's a great recognition of that. Right. And, you know, uh, one of my, another very, very close friend, uh, who was in evangelism for a long time, his name is Dr. Jay Strack. And Jay has a thing down in uh, Orlando they, he calls Student Leadership University, teaching students leadership skills based on biblical principle. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that he said to me uh, when, and again, this, I mean, I mean, I've been an evangelist for 18 years, and that's a whole other story mm-hmm. of, of God bringing me to a place of recognition. And as I connected the dots and my relationship with God grew, And as I went out and spoke, and it was like a a snowball rolling downhill, the more I went, the more I got invited. And I came to that moment of decision. It was probably the most exhilarating and at the same time the scariest thing I ever did. Because I was going to walk away from the comfort and the security of the wrestling world, which had been my my whole life. And I'm going to trust God now, day to day, week to week. Anyway, um, Jay said to me, he said, Ted, he says, never tire of telling your story. He said, that's your calling, Carl. Your calling is evangelism. That's right. And he said, you know, like, uh, so, you know, he said, as a minister, as a pastor, you know, uh, you know, and you guys are pastors. So Mm -hmm. somebody can come up and maybe have a theological debate with you Mm -hmm. about something in the Bible. But the one thing nobody can debate you about is your story. Yeah, absolutely. So keep telling your story. And that's, that's, that's what I do. 
That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time, Ted, to, to share your story and for being open and honest with everything that that, that you've gone through in your life. And uh, it, w- it was really exciting for us to be able to interview you, watching you for so many years. Uh, when we and, were and hating you when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the best villain that there ever was. Thank so, you. Uh, Thank you. That means yeah. I did my job well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You did your job well. So so we want to thank you for taking the time to be with us and um, give give everybody just a final how they can find the the, the documentary, The Price of Fame, and uh, and plug anything that you would like. All right. Uh, the documentary is available. The Price of Fame is available. I, I know it's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I know it's uh, uh, digitally downloadable. You can, you can also get it off of iTunes, but it's also available on DVD and Walmart all okay. over the country, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And at uh, thepriceoffame.com as well you can go there and you can order the dvd through that as mm-hmm. as well and uh as far as uh keeping track of me uh i'm on twitter mdm ted DiBiase mm-hmm. is my twitter handle and i have a i have a public uh facebook page and also have uh million dollar mm-hmm. as well as heart of david ministry dot com which is the ministry site awesome. so uh you know that's where i'm at and come see me awesome great, great. Well, and we'll put all that on the show notes but ted we really appreciate your time thank you so much thank you guys i appreciate it god bless you thank you for listening to not your mama's christian podcast make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review to support the podcast go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash NYM Christian Podcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.